What is it? New podcast. Oh no, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of extras in a boat. <laughs> There are 300,000 extras on this beach. Um, We're paying them all union wages. Chris, why is the movie $100 million? Because in every single scene, we're going to see 50,000 people. And it's so dense. Every single frame, every single frame has so much going on in it. Um, well, we're at the end of our Christopher Nolan yeah. podcast series. His last film. His final film until it's, Tenet. It's been a while. It, it has been a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've been through, you know... The Batman trilogy, uh, Inception, Interstellar. Mm -hmm. We've been through all of these. I love Insomniac. Oh, Insomnia. Right. What a revelation. Yeah, what an amazing. Who thought that that was his best film until yeah. we watched this? Is, um, is following a masterpiece? Yeah. Well. Man, you know what? Definitely. The bookshelf scene in Interstellar made total sense. We talked yeah, about no, it like last week. Yeah. I. You stole my joke. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I was so wrong about Interstellar. It's yeah, it's such a great, wonderful film. Dark Knight I'm, Rises might be my favorite Batman film. It's just, it I definitely deserves I, to be I, I, number eighty on the IMDb top two. I, I think Batman Begins might be the best movie ever made. Yeah, genuinely, like The Godfather's yeah. good, but Batman Begins, man, so yeah. good. Um, <laughs> his last movie, Dunkirk. Yeah, Captain Charles Dunkirk. So. Once again, like almost every other Captain podcast, Char James James T. Dunkirk. Uh, uh, once again, uh, after uh, like every podcast in this series, yes. we disagree on this film, right? You, you, uh, I love the dark. I love the Dark Knight. You hated it. Yeah, the Dark Knight's yeah, awful. It's a terrible film. <laughs> we, we always. We I, I loved Inception, and you were like, "It was a piece of shit." It's fucking dumb film. But we things. both loved the Dark Knight Rises. Weirdly, yeah, I, I know. We both hated Interstellar. No. Um, <laughs> Both think that Memento is just the biggest piece of shit. Memento um, should have been done backwards. So you see, like, uh, should have been chronological Memento. So now we're at the end of our series with um, with Dunkirk. Um, so I, I guess just getting into it, um, what's your background with this one? Like, we didn't see this together opening night. I saw this no, with no. Um, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, I saw this. You could say that my first viewing experience might have made my dislike of the film. Oh, you, you dislike could, this film? Could, yeah, no, I'm not a fan of this film. You're saying that you don't think this film's very good? No, no, I'm, I'm probably... It's probably a really, really good film. This is my one example of... Yeah. The Sicario. The Sicario Factor? The Sicario Factor. A film You that, didn't like Sicario? I'm, I don't like Sicario. Oh, wow. I think it's a very good film. I've said this many times you, before. You have, but I always try and blot that out of my opinion of you. <laughs> I don't like Sicario, but I, I admit it's a good film. Maybe, one, like of the, maybe film. one of the best films of the decade. This yeah, film, probably. certainly one of the best films of the decade. Probably. I just don't, I'm not a fan of it. I, I remember the first time I saw it, I saw it in the Dendi. Mm. I don't know why the Dendi. Why did you see the Dendi? Which know. cinema? Do you remember? It was the big one in Dendi. But like, is it, was it the narrow one or like the really wide one? It's, Well, it's the first one that you go in. You go in into the Dendi. It's yeah, the first yeah. one in there. Okay. And it, no, it's, yeah, it's the white one. The white one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Which is not that wide. 
No, the narrow one sucks. I was telling someone today about that Knives Out. It's just so far. You're so far. It's like a postage stamp, what you're watching. It's just... So I I had the best first experience by contrast. I saw this opening night at the Randwick Ritz in 70mm with my girlfriend at the time. And um, I'm telling you, the movie was at 7 o'clock. We arrived at 5.30 and there were lines around the corner. It was... because Ritz, you didn't get... No, but it was unbelievable. It was like... It really felt like we were seeing a movie that the entire world wanted to see with us. It was genuinely one of the most... Like, it was like an Avengers audience showing up for this hmm. on opening night. I, I really on couldn't opening, believe... Yeah. I couldn't believe that that many people were this excited for this fucking movie just because Christopher Nolan's making it. Because so this annoying. is truly... I, I, I really need to say this. The thing that's so crazy about this movie, if you think about it, is that you look at Inception, right? It's a huge... Yeah, Inception's the first big gamble, right? It's the first time he has a huge budget with a really ambitious idea. But at the centre of it, he's got Leonardo DiCaprio as his leading actor and Ellen Page and, you know, other actors. But Leo DiCaprio is the lead of his film. The next time he does a super ambitious original story, Interstellar, who's he got as the lead? Oh, yeah, Matthew McConaughey, who just won an Oscar. He's got Jessica Chastain. He's got... Every time you see a poster for Christopher Nolan's movies... Uh, posts in oh no even insomnia so every single time you see a poster for christopher nolan's movies it's like three oscar winners if not more that's the joke about batman begins is there are i think 10 oscar nominees in the cast of that film it's it's just insane he just stacks his movies full of these casts of insanely famous actors and this film he looks i i don't i can't believe that this isn't intentional but he looks at what people are expecting from a christopher nolan film he thinks, okay, people are critical of my overindulgent runtimes. People are critical of my huge amount of dialogue. People are critical of the way that I shoot action. People are critical of all these things about the way that I have applied my style and the way that I use exposition. I am going to make a movie where there are no known actors in the lead roles. None. Mark Rylance is the most famous guy in this movie's cast. Which Tom is Hardy. Great. Well, yeah, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, that's true. Yeah, Tom Hardy's the one. But then you have Why, um, the Navy captain, general Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Oh, the kids are lining up around the corner for Kenneth Branagh. He's pretty famous. Yeah, Hamlet. <laughs> A little bit famous. He's not that famous. He's pretty famous. Outside of film circles, Kenneth Branagh's not that famous. Like people probably know him more as the narrator of Walking with Dinosaurs than as an actor. Um, he's so good, Ken Branagh. He's so good in this. I can't wait to see him be probably not the final villain of Tenet. I would see him as Poirot again. Yeah. Exactly. You still haven't seen that, have you? No. I really prefer um, Albert after watching um, Lumet's. Yeah, Lumet. Albert Finney's amazing as Poirot. Yeah. yeah it's- An American playing a Frenchman somehow is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what a great actor Albert Finney was. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean, right? Like, you, you look at... The, the reason I think this is his best film, spoiler alert for my opinion on this film is because you look at the filmmaker who made Memento and Following, and what those films are is a filmmaker who is using information against an audience in a way that's incredibly creative with the sort of storytelling you can create. And this film is literally that applied to one of the most cliche genres in filmmaking, the war film. And all he's doing this entire film is withholding information. That's all he's doing. That's the reason it's structured that way. That's the reason the characters have no backstory. That's the reason that, you know, certain things about Rylance's character aren't revealed towards until towards the end. He is deliberately unloading and, un, and revealing things as you go through the movie, like this sort of 
reverse stacking doll effect. And I think it's easily his most ambitious script and easily his most successful emotional journey that he's done in any of his movies, including Inception, which I would be my close second. If not, no, Memento and then Inception, yeah. I, I love this movie. I think this is maybe one of the best films I saw all decade. I mean, I brought it up on our top ten of the decade. I really disagree. Yeah, no, this is going to be I, interesting. I, I honestly think this is, like, all that meta stuff that you mentioned with, um, you know, the director, mm. like, trying to learn from his audience reaction. It's just that it seems that. so specific that he's criticised for these things and this film is his shortest film aside from following, which is crazy to think about. This crazy. film is shorter than Memento. Yeah. This film is shorter than this film is shorter than Star Wars. Like it's just crazy. It's twenty minutes shorter. It feels longer to me. Yeah, it does. Yeah, um, it's just dense. Like I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your points on that, but I don't think a movie for me wins many points for something like that. What for creative ambition? No, for for like trying to for a director trying to do something. He's no, that's that's to. not why the movie's good. The movie's good because the movie's fucking great. It's it's that I stuff think, talking about Nolan's career that's interesting to me. What what I was most excited for in this yes, film, it was um, the effects. How they were going to do the effects oh, yeah. because he's really famous for. Well, yeah, he uses a huge amount of practical and camera effects, and and this movie I think is by far the most he's ever used. Yeah, and even like, though it's his cheapest movie, like in his big Hollywood mode, like well, it's his cheapest, probably because of the cast. Yeah, well, partly. I mean, it's a hundred million dollar movie, so it's not as cheap as like the Prestige, but like, um, it, this cost literally half of what Interstellar cost. But for some reason, every time I see this film, yeah, I'm like, I I look at the effects, I think this is. Impressive. It's incredible. Why impressive. am I not shocked by it? When I see by the, the scale Dark Knight of it, when I see the Dark Knight, yeah. every like practical effect, I'm like, mm, wow, beautiful, bellissimo. Mm. In this, I'm like, I don't know why. I think there's a couple of reasons, and I think it's to do with something I noticed watching Inception the last time. Not with you, but the, with the, Becky. The one time that really, yeah. the one thing that really impressed me was uh, that every time I see it, I'm like, wow. Beautiful. It's, yeah. the, it's the boy at the end. Oh, the tilt. It's it unbelievable. Like the, like the it's an effect that tilted. I have... I've watched this film now maybe seven times all the way through. I still do not understand, other than actually flipping a boat with men on it, how they did that. There is... No, I don't understand what the cheat is. I don't understand how they were able to do oh, that four that's, times. That's a, but they do it from four separate angles that they, they must have reset it, like, many times. So how are you flipping an actual destroyer ship? It's probably a studio on the just... It's not a studio. There's no way that set is... That would be the largest water tank ever built. And you'd have to make it look like the ocean. There is no way it's a studio. The only way I could... The The only way I could think of them doing it, and this is fucking crazy, is to... Take it into into like semi-shallow water, like, you know, five or eight metres depth, just off the shore, and you build like basically a hydraulic rig, an underwater hydraulic rig, like the rig from Inception, that just tilts this, what's made to look like a boat. Because you don't actually see one side of it from the Tom Hardy perspective. That's no. the only way I think they could have done it. But even that seems harder to me than actually flipping a boat. <laughs> so I don't know how they did it. I really, it's it's one of those effects that I... And genuinely every time, like, you know, sometimes when you watch a film and you're like, 
Oh yeah, that doesn't. Oh, I, I, I get how they did that. I get yeah, how they did know, that. Like, of course, of yeah, time. you watch like something like um, you know, a great effect like in RoboCop when the guy gets shot with all the scripts. You're like, fuck, that looks great. But I don't know how they did that. They just put a bunch of scripts on a guy. This is an effect where every single time I watch it, I'm like, I do not understand how they pulled that off. I feel like Robert Rodriguez after watching Mad Max Fury Road um, when he said, turned to George Miller and was like, how the fuck did you film that? And then George Miller later in the Q&A was like, oh, well, Robert, you know, we're directors, we do all this stuff. And Robert's like, I've been making movies 20 years, I will never be, to be able to do what you do. <laughs> I, this movie reminds me a lot of Fury Road. In fact, I think this does what Fury Road tries to do for most of it in some ways better. Honestly, I think this escalates this action better than Fury Road does. I think the final action scene of Dunkirk is the best action scene in the film, which is the um, the minesweeper, the, fi- the fire, final? the fire, the um, the oil and the fire, and Tom Hardy takes down the um, I guess you, you know the um, the Heinkel. It is. It's an incredible action scene. Well, this is this is what I was going to say about why you might not remember the effects, and this is something that I think is almost a problem with Nolan's style, but it's something I kind of respect. I was watching Inception just a couple of weeks back, showing Becky for the first time. And you, you, when you remember the finale of Inception, what do you remember from like the the effects side of things, like the final uh, bit the in building the building blowing? Yes, up. the giant castle collapsing. Right, I counted it. The castle collapses for like maybe twenty seconds of total screen time. All of the other footage is about Cobb and Ariadne and um and Tom Hardy and all these characters and their kind of reactions in the dream world, but you actually don't spend that much time looking at the castle. And it's crazy, because you think if you shot that, you'd use it. But I think that's one of the things that is both a weakness and a strength about Nolan, is that he does these incredibly big, bombastic, huge things, but he tries to always keep the focus on the character. And I think this film is sort of interesting in that regard, in that so much of the aerial dogfights, which are these most, the most spectacular aerial fights ever filmed, like there's maybe one other film I think that has better dogfights, but it's a terrible film. It's called Sky Bandits, and it has easily the coolest um, gunfights in in the air with like real jets flying around. Mm. It just looks beautiful. It's a French film. It's it's beautiful, but the film is absolute dog shit. This I think is the best film with the best scenes of characters like in dogfights. Mm. Um, it's funny how so much of the dogfights are just reaction shots of Tom Hardy and the other actor. Like, so much of them. Like, he is... Mm-hmm. In so many ways, he's a really simple filmmaker with the way that he thinks about um, constructing tension. Like, all of his stuff goes back to character. And I think, even though you think there aren't characters in this film, I think he puts oh. a huge amount of effort into characterizing the people in this film. There are characters. So it's just not... There's no backstory, that's for sure. Not even that, it's that you don't really know them. Like, you don't need a character's backstory to know who they are. Mm. You can tell who they are by the way they act. Yes. Everyone, like, out of all the Englishmen, when they're trying to throw the French guy out of their boat. Yes. They're all, trying, they're all acting the same. Yeah, they're well. all self-interested. Yeah. Yeah, they're all self-interested. Yeah. And that's like... You realise that... Um, that's about it. For you realise the leader, the guy who gets burned, is, um, is the guy from... Uh, Force Awakens, the um, Han Solo. Oh, yeah. Tola to Kanja Club. That guy. Kanja Club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cousin Leech or whatever his name is. Mm. How the fuck did I remember that? Cousin Leech. You do that all the time. Han Solo. (laughs) The only Scotsman in the galaxy. (laughs) Uh, Um, But 
But Let's yeah, talk about like, what you don't like about this film, because obviously we could talk about the plot, but it's sort of meaningless. The, the most I can say, like, to talk about why I don't like Articulate it, it is yeah. by comparing it to other films. If you, well, don't do that. Because like, <laughs> that's not fair. Why not? And if, also, style. if you're going to compare this to other films, like you, I know with Becky, you were mentioning Saving Private Ryan, and uh, Saving Private Ryan's Saving Private Ryan's the best comparison because it's a World War II film. It's a director with complete creative control, mostly practical effects. It's about a defeat. Like Saving Private Ryan is arguably about a defeat with the way that it ends. It's also about retroactively examining the past through a modern lens. Like Saving Private Ryan is re-examining World War II in the early two thousand, in the late nineties. This is re-examining World War II in you know the late twenty um, tens. It's a very very appropriate comparison. I th- but I also think they they have a similar um, emotional journey for the main. In, uh, in a way. Well, they're both about a character trying to get home. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, the reason, so, Saving Private Ryan. You don't want me to compare. Okay. You want me to give your reasons why I like this film without comparing? Is that what you want? I'd like you to try. Okay. So I I know the most things you're going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to really upset. You're going to be like, oh, you're. I'll say it, say it, say it. Well, yeah. Like my main thing is that to me, Mm. there are characters, but I don't, they, uh, like, the, in the mall. In the mall, yeah. In the mall, those characters, they're not really characters, they're soldiers. Yeah, Tommy and um, Tommy and the French guy and yeah. Harry Styles. How do you know the names? Of I mean, Harry Styles? Oh, Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah. But like, how do you know? His name's Alex. To- Tommy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't know Tommy was his name. Until oh, he's never named th- in the There's film. a subtitle that said Tommy. Tommy, like, strings or yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, Tommy, okay. Tommy, Tommy is not named in the entire film. Yeah. Very intentionally. So, I, yeah, to me there are no characters in this uh, that I can feel attached to, even even though that like clearly disagree. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. It's and like, and you I disagree with me because it's it's something that you either relate to or not. Is that someone is it's a soldier in suffering, a soldier that is suffering. Yeah. Right? Uh, so the he's got to take is, shit. How, that's a lot of suffering. How uh, how much you empathize with that character mm. comes from yourself. And what do you think about um, soldiers? Not soldiers, but like okay, it's, it's it depends on the person how you. I think you're viewing characters. how we're meant to see the characters kind of wrong because the thing that the, comparing Saving Private Ryan, the immediate thing that stands out to me that makes this film vastly superior in just a pure authenticity way, not because of violence. God, we're not going to get into that, but. Um, and also Saving Private Ryan was a big influence for Nolan when making this film. The thing that's really distracting every single time I watch Saving Private Ryan is that Ed, Ed Burns and Tom, uh, not Tom, yeah, Tom Sizemore and all those soldiers, um, you know, Vin Diesel, all those guys, they are way too fucking old for the age that they should be. And Dunkirk is, I want to say this, the only Hollywood movie ever made that has appropriately cast the age that young soldiers during this war would have been. They would have been 17, 18, 19 years old. They all in this movie look exactly the age they should look. 
And the reason the opening scene is so fucking important is because this guy isn't like a soldier who's brave. He's not a soldier who's like courageous. He's just a guy who's a member of a platoon who every single one of his platoon brothers gets killed like completely randomly. You don't even really, you don't even really see, um, oh, what's his name? Fionn Whitehead's face in the opening scene. You see that he's going to take a shit and then like his other soldiers get killed off and he's just the one who makes it to the fence. That's all he is. All he is is the guy who managed to survive the opening of this movie. So you see, that could have been a very, very emotional moment. I think it is. You had like 10 minutes of like those characters talking to each other. No, no, you don't need it. I didn't even think about about that. I thought about that the first time I saw it. I was just like, oh, they're trying to, you know, make it past the, you know, trenches. Not trenches, really. yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing a patrol down the street and then um, they get ambushed. Like, that's what happens. And then um, yeah, and so he runs back because he's like, he's so fucked, like, he's lost his weapon. I'm like, oh, so his whole platoon died. And I'm like, oh. I didn't even think about that. I've seen this film three times. I never realized that because I don't see those people. So I see those people as random soldiers. Mm. So that's my issue with it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, okay. right. I, I'm I, like, okay. I think you've like, oh, look, look at yeah, that. Yeah. The, the, um, is this platoon died and now he's all by himself. I'm like, okay. The movie could have told that better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You could have and, had the Saving like, Private Ryan scene of Tom Hanks sitting down and, you know, crying. But, but uh, I, there's no time. That's the other thing. He's like, this guy literally doesn't, have, he doesn't catch a break the entire movie. That's kind of the, the movie's great. Yeah, I guess. Like but, when he falls asleep on the train, you feel like him. You're like, oh, fuck. And the, the watch stops ticking. That's one of the things I love is that the watch doesn't stop ticking the entire movie until he lays down that train. Also, um, so, something you were saying about the mm. age of the soldiers. Yes. I'm going to compare that to when people, uh, a lot of reviewers said that when a, one of the bombs drops in the soldiers. Yes. There's no blood. That's yeah. a complaint a lot of people made. Yeah, yeah, like, I understand I it. I, I honestly very much agree with it. And I'm like, morally. okay, I understand that, but... I know, I know why Nolan didn't, to, but like... To, I, to yeah. me, doesn't... I'm not that bothered by that. I don't think that movie... The movie loses a lot of points. By not having realistic depictions of violence, yeah. Like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a lot of violence in this movie. He just deliberately avoids gore because he's worried about like... A, he wanted this to be accessible to young people. He wanted it to be a PG-13. And B, he talked about how when you watch Saving Private Ryan, the impact and the shock of the violence is great, but it forces you to sort of want to turn away and he really wanted to have that tension to draw you in. So he's tried to excuse it away and I do think if you're going to make a war movie, you should depict violence and you should, if you can, depict it realistically. If you're going to show things like bombs and bullets, mm. these things aren't don't just make people go flying. They tear people in half. Like a fucking, like one of those bombs, it, it, around the time this film was being marketed, they were putting out all these facts. Like one of those bombs was so, was like equivalent to something like a thousand tons of TNT. Like they were so powerful. Like the scene that I think represents it the best is when you're seeing them fall on the, on the pier, on the, on the mole's like bridge. And you're seeing like one of these bombs is like tearing this bridge in half. It's like, Mm. fuck, those things were devastating to human bodies. So I I appreciate that you're saying that like, you don't think it hurts the film. I don't think it hurts the film, but it's something that I personally disagree with in terms of representation of violence. But that was one of the biggest complaints of the film. Yeah, definitely. One of the biggest criticisms. And I'm like, yeah, completely fine with it. I'm fine with it I understand if a director says, oh, let's make this a 
PG-13, let's not make it... Um, because Jesus Christ, if it was realistic, oh. the moment that the guys, the guy that jump shooting in the air, he gets hit by the bomb and he jumps up, right, in the film. Yeah, he just he gets blown up to the side. He gets blown up to the side. Yeah, that his body parts would land all yeah. over Finn Whitehead. Uh, yeah. Bones and everything, and like a, a, sh- a lot of blood would have hit the main character. Yeah, completely. Right? Yeah. He'd be like, okay, I understand that if the director doesn't, doesn't want to do that, mm. right? So I'm the same with that, with the age of the soldiers. It's like, Can you want to cast, cast your actors, you don't really, if a director doesn't really want to cast realistic, mm. as long as it's not like a 60-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a hell of an effect, by the way. Talking about the opening scene, because I think we should talk about like our favorite scenes or the, the kind of key scenes. Obviously, you've got the opening that we talked about where his platoon gets killed and he loses his weapon and he, he escapes the French and gets to the beach. But then you've got this bit with the the dive bomb coming in and you get the you know the bomb in the far distance, then they get closer and closer and closer and there's the guy on his back firing up and then he gets hit by the blast and gets blown out of screen. Like he, he just he just vanishes, literally. Like it's such a good effect. Like it's it's genuinely such a beautiful way to just show again the randomness of it. Like that if one more bomb had dropped, this guy would have died. Like um, our main guy would have died again. And I I was listening to Tarantino talk about this film on the Ringers podcast, and um, he called it like his third favorite film of the decade. And um, one of the things that was really interesting was he kind of hypothesized that the way they filmed it is that none of these guys are actually there. They're all composited in. And this guy isn't there either. That guy is like on a wire getting yanked out. And the only thing that's real in the shot is the explosion element at the end with Finn Whitehead. All the other explosions are comped, and that makes a lot of sense, but it's really yeah. well put together. Yeah. Because that that's one of the things that I really respect about Nolan is that he does use CGI to enhance practical effects. Like, instead mm. of using... Like, I think he he said once something like, if you are relying completely on CGI and you don't have any photographical elements, you're basically working in animation. And he's completely right. Don't know why he produced Man of Steel then, but um, <laughs> Zack Snyder's a different director. Um, the next thing we should probably talk about, like, as we go through the opening sequences is the, um, the structure of it. Okay. Because this is something that a lot of people I've talked to about this film have been like, why the fuck did it need to be like this? Why did it need to be an hour, a day and a week? When you said that you just, you said in one of the previous podcasts, uh, that this is, um, what exactly did you say? I think you said something like, this is his most ambitious film. You said that. Yeah, easily his most ambitious film in terms of manipulating time. Easily. And I'm like, uh, uh, really? Yeah. Is it that impressive? What, what's more, what, what has he done that's crazier than this? I think like, something like Inception and Memento, I feel like those are more impressive. No. Manipulating time. This is just... They're all, I mean, this is linear, but like... <laughs> I, don't know, I don't think this is, I don't think it's that impressive. The thing about Inception is that it's just the final 40 minutes that he's doing the time ramping thing. This is an entire movie that he's doing this one time bending trick for the entire length, which Memento is the only other film he's done like that, where the entire structure of the film is literally based on this one time conceit. But this, there's so many holes on that thing of like one week, one day, one hour, right? You mean jumps in time? I'm, I'm saying that it doesn't really make sense. What does it make it's sense about it? It's not in the mall. 
It's not a that's week. That's not a week. That's well, two days. It's two days if you assume that the, you, the only night you see is the only night you see. Because like it you, is the only night you, you could see. assume that this is like a passage of time, but it's not conveyed. But it's not. Movie. It's not. It could be, but it's not. It really. could be. So like that whole thing of one week is like yeah. come on, you stretch it a bit. And then the, the, the things on the boat, I'm gonna say that's probably twelve hours. Yeah, it's a day. That's what it's they not, said. It's not a day. It's a, a day. day is 24 hours. <laughs> and then no, the a hour. day. Not a day and a night, a day. <laughs> Fuck off. It's a day. <laughs> it's a day. It's a day. They leave in the morning. They're back in the evening. It's a day. <laughs> but, okay, sure. Okay, suck, sure. Suck whatever. my dick. No, it is a day. You know what? Yeah, because at the end, yeah. it's, it's nighttime. <laughs> yeah, they, they just get yeah, time. It's like, fine. sure, whatever. Yeah. So it's like, it's like the, why, don't you, why, don't you, why don't you say this to Christopher Nolan and have him slap you with his 20% of the gross, 20% of the, 20% of this, $20 million and 20% of this movie that made $700 million. Fucking hell. <laughs> but like, it, you know what I was it's, thinking? It sounds really nice, right? A week, a day, and an hour. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah, it's just simple. simple. It's simple. Right. But it's, it's three days, 12 hours. Oh, shut the hour. fuck up. If you put that, it would be more confusing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it doesn't I doesn't ring as much. I don't think you should have told the audience at the beginning. And I've thought this many that times. That could have worked better. Well, because as soon as I saw that, I, I, I seen people saying. It gives saying, it away too early, I think. I, when I, I see people say that, like, um, you were asking Becky, the, mm. like the, the scene with the, the scarecrow. Yeah. And the scarecrow, when he... He's in the mall oh, thing. Fuck. The scarecrow like, yeah, I know right. what you mean. I just realized you meant like, Killian Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Killian scare- Murphy. When the scarecrow, I was like, the scarecrow. Seen the scarecrow? I'm just not remembering. Yeah, the scarecrow. The scarecrow is in the mall scene. Uh, and like, you when like, he's, he's captaining the boat. He's got that's, that's the moment that gives it away. I, and, yeah. it's just, and it's just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm like, like, but they gave it away oh. in the beginning. It's well, one Becky week, one missed, day. Becky missed them. I was like, oh, I was okay. like, did you remember? Did you read what they said at the beginning? She's like, no. <laughs> okay. So sometimes you, like, just, you get an audience member like that. So it, she actually got the twist. So it could have been a twist. But it well, it, it, it could be. Yeah, totally. You, but, you just and have, it would have been so simple. There are also three distinct environments. Like you've got the mole, you've got the boat, and you've got the sky. Like it's literally like the it most makes sense easy in, in the sky verse, in this, the sky one. It's always daytime. Yes. He's counting down his, how much? Yeah, yeah. They say 40 minutes. You've got 40 minutes of fuel yeah. left. Like literally, it's the entire conceit of that so if, setup. If uh, Christopher Nolan trusted his audience, then it would have worked really well. Well, I tr- he trusts them enough to like not give backstory, trust them enough never to show the Germans. I really love that there's a World War II movie where never once is the word German mentioned. No, they just mentioned that German. German? Yeah. I don't think they say German once no, in the entire they film. they said, oh, he's a German. I think they say he's um, he's a Jerry. No, but they also say German. Okay. Um, no swastikas. This movie is so PC. Yeah, seriously. The fucking act- the fuck? was Activision in charge of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that. I really love that you don't see the Germans until the very end, and even then they're out of focus. Like it actually genuinely. And another thing about Private Ryan is that Private Ryan. In a way, and this is something I sort of dislike that Spielberg does a lot, is Spielberg feels the need to, you know, show what the war was like for the Americans, but he also feels the need to show, you know, the the tragedy that these, you know, these Germans 
are fighting the Americans and that, you know, at the end there's like, you know, there's good soldiers on both sides and there's like innocent Germans who are like just conscripted. And at the beginning you got the Polish soldiers who are like telling them not to shoot in Polish, but because they don't understand the language, they just kill them. Nolan, I think, really got the idea that this needs to be all about the point of view of what the British and these guys all thought, which is the enemy. They don't call them the Germans. They call them the enemy. And like, they are so terrifying because they're literally this unknown entity. Like, none of these guys would have met, like, most likely would have, like, met Germans. They probably have just been raised on propaganda and, like, it's it's really scary. The, the scene that I actually love that's very early on is when Hardy and the other pilot ambush the first, um, the bomber, the bombing, the giant bombing ship. And Hardy starts firing and then the bombing ship fires back with like those high caliber rounds that fire slower and they sound so much louder than Hardy's bullets. And it's like, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, that like genuinely, I remember in the theater watching that on 70 mil, it was like, holy shit, this is fucking great. Like it made the Nazis genuinely very scary again in a way that I hadn't seen a World War II movie do in a long time. Like I've watched so many, you know, World War II films over the last decade, like, you know, Fury and all these others. And I think this film genuinely made them feel like a terrifying mm. force more than most of those movies. I think Fury made it more terrifying. The tank. There's the tank scene. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise they kill them so easily. The tank scene is the best yeah. scene of the movie. It's like... One of the best action scenes. It's easily the best thing David Ayer's ever made. Just that yeah, scene. That's yeah. it. It's amazing. Because they kill the other tanks so easily. And then, yeah. Hmm. Um, Fury's an, a really weird movie. I don't like the ending at all. What do you mean him, the ending? Do you mean the whole when he looks under, like, When he yeah, looks no, under the so tank. Fucking, it's so that's stupid. the one thing. That, that again, that's the Spielberg thing of we need to show that the Germans are sympathetic. It's like, no, no you don't. To these Americans and to the British, they were not sympathetic. But they were not, fucking evil. They were the monsters that's, that's of their- the theme of freaking Seven Empire Run. What? It's it's a lot more about uh, humanity and like fam- and family. Once again, family. Right? No wonder I hate it. <laughs> um, Seven Empire Run. It's, it's Seven Empire Run trying to bring a soldier yeah. back to his family. That's right. Yeah, yeah of course. He's had, it's about having enough war. This family has lost everything. It's about earning the right to live. That's yeah. what it's about at the end. So that's why it makes sense in yeah. Brian Ryan that they humanize the Germans. In a film like this. Did I tell you when I was a huge film nerd? Um, when? <laughs> when? Um, no, uh, years ago, I was thinking of getting earned this tattooed across my knuckles. But I felt like it would be a bit aggressive. Yeah. Um, I'm very glad I don't have this across my knuckles. <laughs> but I do understand that the, this film... That's half the Germans as enemies. Yes. This, this, this feels like the world at war of, uh, of, of cinema, kind of, in a way. In Call, Call of Duty, Duty World, world, world War. War. Why? Which is just about killing. It's so brutal. And like, it's just about killing. And like, they, they do not sympathize at all with the enemies. And the enemies no, are just no, hell the no. enemy. And you just... Uh, like in this, instead of about killing them, it's a lot more about surviving it's, them. It's all about survival. This is the other thing that's amazing about this film compared to other World War II films. And I remember talking with Jake Flannery about this, like first or second year of afters. Um, and he was like, I really hope they don't turn it into a victory, the film. And they sort of do, but they, they still do. acknowledge that like this was, you know, a retreat. This was not a battle that was won. This is like an incredibly famous retreat. And at the end, the, the, the way that the Churchill speech is used, I think is so brilliant that it's not, you know, 
it's not an act. It's not bloody the darkest hour where Gary Oldman, you know, stands in the House of Commons with all these stuffy British lords and says, "We will fight on the beaches. We will fight on the fields." It's read by like a young boy who's just survived these things, and this boy reads it. And why the final shot of the movie gets me so much every time is because you've got the the plane, of course, Hardy's plane burning, like the British the British Air Force has been decimated, and then you have the brief little insert of um, you know Finn Whitehead dropping the newspaper, and he just thinks. This isn't over. We're about to have to win this war. Is that what it's meant to mean? Yeah. Of course that's what it means. What else could yeah. it mean? It's him realizing, well, yeah, we're going to go what, fight again. What I thought it was that the movie started with him and ended with him. Just literally that. Yeah, because I do not connect with these characters at all. <laughs> I do not know what they're thinking. What they're thinking? Yeah. He's thinking, I need to get the fuck off this beach. That's what everybody on the beach Yeah, yeah, is yeah that's it. I'm like, okay, uh, now I'm 40 out of that. Okay. But there's a way a worse writer would have ended this movie, which is him coming home to his family or like, you know, or the way that 1917 ends where, you know, he, oh, he meets with someone. Stupid. And, what about the newspaper bit? What do you mean? In this film. when Oh, uh, when they get him in the paper. Yeah. Yeah, I love That's it. kind of like, kind of stupid. That's like great. you just said. No, no, yeah, no, no. Come on. It's different. How? How is it different? Well, first of all, they're they're secondary characters. They're not the main character. It's like they're actually, no. That doesn't make it different. How, it how does it make it different? different? It is different. How? Because like it's just a little payoff. Like it's a little nod to like this thing. But it's very corny. When this film hasn't been corny at all. No, but the idea that this boy who like didn't do anything you'd think is heroic is like. It, it's the thing that Nolan does about like lies and about like how sometimes lies for the greater good are going to inspire people. And the idea that they've said this guy is a hero at Dunkirk. He never survived to Dunkirk. By the time they got there, he was dead. Like this guy literally, he he, he was killed by another Englishman. That's the thing that's so fucking interesting about it is that like this soldier who he was trying to take care of, who he didn't do anything wrong to, accidentally killed him. And then this boy, like, becomes, like, this symbol for, you know, young men stepping up and helping and, you know, inspires people to join the war effort. This is this is one of my conflicts of this yeah. film. I feel, I think that the boat, uh, what's the boat The Moonstar. The Moonstar. Yeah. It's based on a real vessel. There was a real guy, like, a, who took his son across the channel, whose uh, oldest son died in the RAF. Like, it, it's based on a real guy. Yeah, I don't know the real story too well, but I, I do know that it was based on a real guy who took his boat. So that story to me is the most emotional. Oh, that could be the movie. That literally could have been the movie. But the problem with the problem is that 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 is the highest emotional point, but the other ones are like so much richer visually. Yeah, the boat one is the is well. A the, boat a boat's much more boring than a plane or a <laughs> yeah, or like a giant the other ones have so much more visuals, and then the one that has the emotion. Is the one that has the dullest visuals. Because I don't think it's got like, the dullest. That, sh- that scene. The dullest visuals the scene, are the other ones. The scene when they find Killian Murphy on the, the sinking ship yeah. is maybe the most surreal Nolan has ever gotten in his. Oh no, the ending of Interstellar. But um, it's so beautiful. Like it's fucking haunting. It's, it's haunting as shit. Like just that one guy on this giant ship that's upside down in the ocean, like. Just sitting there with the like, he's flapping, you know, like the towel or whatever it is around him flapping. It's like that. That's like something. The thing that I love about Nolan is that he feels like he's making films the way that David Lean would have made films about this stuff, 
Like, it, it, his style feels so similar to, like, an old guard director, particularly in this film. I think this film is really sort of like his There Will Be Blood, where he suddenly just... I, I think it's not a coincidence that this is the movie he makes after Interstellar, which is essentially... Interstellar is sort of like a redoing of Armageddon for smarter people, right? Like, it's about, it's about like, a Midwestern no. American man traveling into outer space with a deep connection to his daughter back on Earth who needs to, like, save the world. It, it's very Armageddon, right? On the surface. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it massively, but it's Armageddon. It's Armageddon. It's, for but, middle, okay, it's yeah, a middle so American what? kind of... What so I'm what? saying is that is a very, very American, big, bo- big box office, like, big gamble, like, Matthew McConaughey. Very fucking, emotional. It's, it's such an obvious movie to market. It's so emotional. It's so high drama. Love this is his first movie since following that he has made that is set in England. Think about that. This is him coming back to his home country and oh. saying, I am making a movie for you. And then he is sl- he is doing longer shots. He's doing everything on dollies. He's not doing as much handheld as he usually does. He is like formul- formalizing his style massively and making his first film on historical events. He's making a film with an almost entirely unknown cast. He's working with his key collaborators. But he is making a film that he's like, this is me making a serious film. For the first time, maybe since um, uh, The Prestige, it's him making like a film that is quote unquote a serious drama about real things. It's even more serious than The Prestige. The Prestige is pulpy as shit. In a way, it's his first time he was like, yeah, I should win fucking Best Director for this. Thank you very much. It's very ironic that he got nominated. Yeah, well, fuck you, Guillermo del Toro, you beautiful, lovely man who I really want to meet. Fuck you, you piece (laughs) of shit for making a movie that somehow people consider better. Um, Dunkirk was robbed Hashtag Yeah so you, you see what I'm saying Like it's just interesting to see him settling A little bit with his style Like I think of that that shot um, Almost two thirds of the way through the movie Where the guys are just sitting on the beach And then Harry Styles gets up and he walks over to his battalion And they're like you know a mile away And Nolan just holds on that shot It's dollying across And they go all the way for when Harry Styles Reaches the battalion Well and it feels very Kubrickian and very There Will Be Blood to me. Like it's it's like going from Boogie it, Nights. It's, the Dark Knight is Boogie Nights, and this is There Will Be Blood. Is sort of the way I see it. If that makes sense. <laughs> I don't really think that makes too much sense. It, this film feels a lot more like you know awardsy than his other films. This film no, definitely, yeah, yeah. Definitely. even though it's like the, the coolest action film ever it's, made. I, it's a fucking great action film. This is an action film, be honest. It's like, it's a balls-to-the-wall action film. <laughs> Say something. It's hard, for, it's hard for me to admit that it's an action film. I guess... It is. That would be my I genre guess. for this film more than any... More than war. It's, a, it's always a war film. It is a war film, but, like, it, it's it's just... It's like an action suspense film. Like, the things that he drew from the most for this weren't other war films. He drew from, like, you know, Wages of Fear and shit like that. Like, films like Pickpocket, like Rob Rasson's, like, um, suspense thrillers. Like, mm. there's so many... Like, like the scene where um, the pilot crashes in the ocean and he's trying to break out of the bloody plane while it's sinking. Like, that's... I like that bit. That bit is just... You see, I like that bit. There's so many bits like that, though, where it's just these physical obstacles that these guys are dealing with. Like, trying to plug the bullet holes while the guys are shooting at the boat. Like... All that stuff, it's just like, that's the kind of um, storytelling he's playing with more than just, you know, the Germans are over there, the Allies are over here, who's going to win? 
Which, you know, Saving Private Ryan's great, but that's what it boils down to. No. It does. No, it's about crossing the country to go and save this guy. Yeah, but what's the final battle of Saving Private Ryan about? Uh, yeah, the invading yeah. force coming in. Yeah. So what? Well, what's the final um, action bit of this about? It's about guys trying to fucking swim away from the oil because they're going to burn to death. It's like sure. the, the Germans aren't even responsible for it. Well, they are, but like... Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're the reason they're all there. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, what I'm really saying is Germany... It's not Germany's fault that we went to war. God. <laughs> okay, so... You're so quiet. So I feel like this film... You're talking a lot. I feel like this film is very, very... Repetitive. Mm. Repetitive, yeah. yeah. yeah you like mentioned this. I want you to talk you, about you, you, this further. You could go into like very similar situations. Of tension? Yeah. The tension is pretty much always the same. Don't feel like there isn't this much variation in the action scenes like you like to call them. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, all the dogfights are very... huge amount of variation. All the dogfights are pretty much very similar. You could cut them all together and just be one action film. No. Action scene. No. No. Yeah. My, one of my favorite action bits is when they're trying to get to the boat at the start. Oh, that's great. They're like, oh, they're two taking, minutes. taking the stretcher. Two minutes. Yeah, it's fantastic. And like they have to go there. And like you were saying, the, like you were saying before, the physical obstacles. Yes. And the physical, that's, physical that's obstacles. That's perfect is the, is the soldiers. Like, ah. Oh, but also that, that plank they've got to walk across and then they cross yeah. it like everyone cheers for them. Also like, the music is oh, the best in that uh, scene. Hans Zimmer, don't just say, fucking, fucking best score. Holy shit. It's a good score. The fact yeah. that it didn't win best score is fucking ludicrous. Best score. I, I don't know. I, I think it was Shape of Water. No. I think it was. I, I, I'm like... No. I'm not... I like Shape of Water, by the way. Yeah, but it's not as good as this film. It's gr- It's good. It's not as good as this film. E.T., but it's a fish and you fuck him, was not my favourite film of that year. But that's very simplifying it. Like, people yeah, no stuck shit. in a boat. So he's so pe- calling people, Dunkirk repetitive. Uh, people stuck in a boat uh, on a beach. They can't leave. How exciting is that? It's pretty fucking exciting, it turns not out. Not really. <laughs> um, where uh, is it? Yep, Shape of Water, Shape Alexander Duplatt. I don't want to be mean, but Alexander Duplat has done so many scores that I haven't liked. And he has just ascended to Hollywood godhood, apparently. Yeah, every other score here is better than the Shape of Water score. Dunkirk is better. The Last Jedi score is better. Dunkirk Phantom. The, last Jedi is the, the score is fucking great. Um, when when is the, Williams bad? You have the to admit. original music from The Last Jedi is not very good. That's where you get the rebel theme, isn't it? The dun, dun. No, that's Force Awakens. You get Rose theme in it. You get the Battle of Crate theme, which oh, is so forgettable. Oh, no, it's sick. No, no. It's better than Shape of Water. <laughs> Phantom Thread score is fucking superb, and Three Billboards score is fucking superb. So, like, Shape of Water. Just fucking whatever. Whatever. And our list. Oh, you're robbed. You're robbed, Chris. <laughs> They better give you best director for Tenet. I don't care if it's the worst film ever made. <laughs> um, it's so funny that oh, he's going back to doing like Tenet must be like seven hours long. Uh, it'll be. Do you think it'll be over it'll two hour twenty or? Do you think it'll I be think shorter than be, Interstellar? I think it's going to be longer than Inception. 
Um, yeah, so like two thirty ish. Yeah, yeah. It's be the one there. If he's if it's longer than Interstellar, I'm just gonna be like, is that his so, longest? Yeah, yeah. I think it's two. I think it's exa- not long. I think it's exactly recently. it's exactly two minutes longer than Dark Knight Rises. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. It's very. They're like almost exactly the same length. Hmm. Imagine making those two films back to back. Holy shit! <laughs> like no wonder you'd want to make this. no wonder you'd want to make a film that's a hundred minutes long. You'd be like, <laughs> yeah. fucking, I could do so much more. Just in <laughs> he, this. Was, he was challenging. I, I get this film now. Yeah, he was like I'm gonna make my shortest film. Yes, that feels the longest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why it's like literally three <laughs> scenes stretched across. <laughs> <laughs> stretched across a hundred minutes. Uh, Anyways, I haven't finished my story. The first oh, time I'm saw, sorry the you haven't finished your story. This. Yeah, okay. Like Christopher Nolan, we're jumping around a lot. So the first time I saw this, I for some reason it might have been the film, but I remember just having a huge headache. Yeah, this is your fault. <laughs> no, it might have been the you film. You did not drink enough water before watching the film. That's the problem. Have you seen how much water I drink? You've taken two, two sips the whole, sure, this whole time. Sure I've taken the, like two glasses. You're sure taking the piss on this podcast. So I, so, um, I had a huge headache. So like, uh, and, and probably the... probably didn't help. That didn't help. So I had a first place bad experience. So I remember thinking, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe it was my, my fault. Maybe it's the same for Sakari. Next time I see Sakari, maybe I love it. Yeah, also score with a dun 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 yeah. dun. So maybe next time. You just time- don't like dun dun scores, clearly. No, I love them. Yeah. Like, I actually do love. Dun, I'm trying to think dun, of dun, other dun dun, dun dun scores. Well, the opening of Dark Knight. Oh, yeah, there's a bit of a dun dun. I love the opening of Dark Knight. Oh, it's so good. So, and you have that, right? You have. Uh, I thought I thought my first viewing is I had a huge headache. Yeah, it is my fault. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Yeah, I mean, I rewatched it. I had it's a movie you almost certainly need to rewatch. Like, I I remember rewatching it like a few days after the first screening and like noticing so much more. And like, I I saw it again and I'm like, I just don't. It's very visually uh, impressive. Impressive. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Hoyt Van Vortima, the MVP. But. I just don't get it. The way you get it. I just, I'm not excited by the action scenes as much as you are. Oh, I love it. I'm not like, I don't, yeah, I'm not, I don't think they're terribly like, exciting. I don't think they, I don't connect with the characters except with the, I do Mark connect Rylance, with the, yeah. with the guys in the book. Yeah, Mark Rylance and his son, yeah. Yeah, um, I do connect with that. And the fact that the kid, they, the fact that that got me when a kid, gets head in the head the yeah head it's very head. disturbing oh, like that obviously this kid is not gonna fucking live like he's, and then they he's f- got like severe head trauma and then they try to hide it from the soldiers i love that yeah feels compelling but it's obviously it's, he's gonna find out yeah 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 but it's the thing in the dark night where like batman's like um you know i'm gonna lie and that's gonna be the good thing and nolan does that you know memento literally that's the twist is do i lie to myself to be happy like Nolan is obsessed with both withholding information in the actual text of a film, which is really obviously Memento and also in this, but also having characters who are deceiving either themselves or others for like a greater good, like Leonard and like Batman and, you know, like the prestige, like, like, like Howard Hughes in that Mm. unmade film. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, um, I, I don't understand I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, why the action scenes, though. Like, well, why do you think they're not exciting for you? Because obvi- let's talk about, like, the first dogfight, because I think that's... 
That's the best the first. fight, in my opinion. Oh, it's so clear. It's just... It's very clear what... The geography of it is remarkable. And I think my problem with the like, rest is that they, they visually are very similar. Second point is that the planes look very similar, which I know is realistic, but... Well, the German ones have the yellow noses. Yeah, but sometimes you you see the planes from an angle that you don't see the yellow the yellow noses. Yeah, I, I always was following where ones were, but that's that's okay. I can only tell because um, the movie was directly telling me that it wasn't not visually. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, oh yeah, mm. I'm gonna give you. But I'm that's probably you, realistic. I'm, so I'm not gonna give. I'm not gonna take away points from. I'm gonna that. concede you a little bit of ground on one part of the movie that I got confused by the very first time I watched it, and I still get confused by every single time I watch it. Which is that what happens is the first gun, the first dogfight ends, and Hardy uh, takes down the fighter, and then Hardy gets shot by another German plane, and then the plane flies past. And then instead of going for that plane immediately, Hardy's trying to get the leader of the group on the on the radio and can't reach him. And then it's weird because it feels like Hardy just didn't notice he just got shot. And then it's like another scene later that Hardy notices that the bullets from that plane caused his fuel gauge to break. Hmm. And it's just odd that they never acknowledge that Hardy just got shot by that for, by that German plane. It's 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 the one part of the yeah. movie that always jars me, and it's the one part that I feel like. I'm not sure what the problem was there that they couldn't fix, but it's just interesting that that's the thing that still to this day, it's the one, it's literally maybe 10 seconds of the movie, but it, 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 it still well, it, takes it does impact quite a bit. Well, it sets up the gauge, which is like the whole thing which with Hardy. Whole, it's the whole tension for the remainder of Hardy's story. Film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, can yeah. We, I, can we talk about the extra? Oh no, he's not in the film. But like, yeah, but it's pretty funny. It is very funny, the idea that this one extra possibly caused that wide shot to get cut, yep. like, down dramatically. Which makes you think, they must have shot other takes. Like, why Yeah, not, but... Why would you not hold on that shot if you could? It's such a good shot. It's a beautiful it's shot. It's a beautiful shot. Holy yeah. shit, it's so good. Christopher Nolan's like, oh, I was at a rave once and uh, people did this thing. And that, no was the, that was the most impressive shot in the trailer. Remember. Yeah, because of that guy's face, that guy going. I'm in a Christopher the, Nolan film. <laughs> I was thinking when everyone dunks like a domino effect. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. The action scenes in this is so good. I don't. They sink how many boats in this film? Okay, talking about the logistics yeah, but they, of this they film. They suffering really. Like you know, that, the, do you know that this had the largest maritime unit of any film in history? Which makes sense given the subject matter, but it's still impressive that like. I think there were a hundred boats at one point, like that they had. Well, what other film can you think of that would have is on so water boats? this much? Jaws four. No, um, yeah, no. I, I literally can't think of one except for even Titanic. Doesn't make sense. Um, well, Titanic, they didn't one Titanic. boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't shoot on the. Well, Waterworld is the only other film I could think would have had <laughs> yeah, that's right. as big a water unit. Yeah, like getting close now. Wouldn't have pirates? Pirates got, must pirates have had films, like, but no, but they don't. They don't see that much in Austin, do they? There's a lot. Oh, uh, maybe not. Maybe it's a lot of tank work or like a lot of ships on shorelines. I mean, that's how I'd do it. I'd put the ship on, you know, the shore. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's a very, very impressive movie. I mean, the scene when all the, the ships Yeah, come like the every end. time I'm, I'm seeing, I'm like thinking, this is very impressive. Why is the other 90% of it not working for me? 
Yeah. Is that how you feel? Right. Yeah, that's that's my feeling. Like, yeah. And I'm not, I'm sure I'm not giving the best reasons why I don't like it. I think no, no, no. I think, I think the arti- I, I think you've articulated it better by like talking about um, the things that you f- feel are lacking. Um, the thing I really see every time I watch this movie is just that. For for one thing, I, I I'm deeply like in love with um, uh, the sort of feudalism of war and like how even in these grand you know plans of countries like fighting each other for resources, everyday people have to like be a part of this thing and they they have no bearing on like what the actual shape of the war is going is going to go. All they can do is control their own individual circumstances in these moments, and I think this film does that extraordinary well i think it might be one of the better films to handle that where it's like Mm. at the end these boys feel so you know depressed that they've you know lost the war but then that's not what really matters what matters is that they survived and you know the next battle will happen and they'll be alive for it and it's i don't know i i think there's a lot thematically in this film that i deeply resonate with as a as a storyteller so that's probably why I kind of come at it from a very different angle. Here's the thing is that it's it, also just so fucking beautiful. The final bit with Hardy, like landing the plane and like, you yeah, feel like, like that, that I, I, like I that. genuinely can't remember, but I and feel I, like the audience I, cheered and um, the night I saw I, it. I feel I, like I feel, we all cheered. It was like, it holy makes, shit, that guy landing that plane. It really makes me feel bad that he is probably the most heroic character. And he gets and captured. And he's yeah. the one that has, the he's the one who is. ends on the beach. Yeah, yeah, and but that scene. This is why the movie's so fucking good. How much do you and I love it when you can communicate a character's moral choice without dialogue? We love it, right? Like it's the best thing ever. I have a comparison. Well, Locke is very similar. Yes, the scene with Locke at the the, the lights. At the lights, I have a problem with Locke, which is that. Which is the movie, the scene in Locke happens. It's the very first scene it's in Locke where he's parked at some traffic lights. He can go left, which is the way he's meant to go, but instead he goes right. Don't know which choice he's making. No, exactly. But this, this sets up perfectly that you've got the bomber going towards the ship that's full of soldiers. Hardy is almost out of fuel. He needs to turn around. He's turned around. He's flying away from the smoke, which you know is where Dunkirk is. He is flying back towards England. He looks in his rearview mirror for what feels like a fucking eternity at that bomber going towards the ship. Then he looks at his fuel gauge. Then he looks at the bomber. Then he looks towards the horizon towards England. Then he looks back at the bomber. Then he looks at his fuel gauge. And finally, he makes the decision to turn around and take down the bomber. And it's like, it, it, it hangs in the moment for so long because it needs to for the timelines to match up. But Hardy just like sells it so hard in his eyes that I'm going to die. I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to be captured. I'm going to be shot down. I'm not going to survive this, but I've got to do it. I'm going to do it. And he turns around and like, he, you feel like he's a hero. You, you genuinely feel like you're watching the bet that final bit where like he shoots down the plane that's about to kill Kenneth Branagh. You feel like you've just watched the greatest pilot ever, oh, and I, everyone in the film is like, "Yeah!" And Kenneth I, Branagh's like, "That's the greatest pilot I've ever seen." You feel like he's, you know, Poe Dameron. What? Uh, uh, you feel like he's Finn watching um, Poe Dameron in uh, Force Awakens. That's one hell of a pilot. <laughs> that's one hell of a pilot. Oh, you can edit those together. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hardy gets captured. It's a, it's a great way to end the movie. Mm. Um, Have I ever told you that fascinating story about? Ernest Shackleton's expedition and like one of the part, one of the people who was on that. 
All right, this is a cool story, just a little side, but hold your thought, hold your thought. But um, I learned this from um, Sir Guy Green, the former governor of Tasmania, when I interviewed him. But he was telling me about this famous medal that's on display in the Tasmanian um, art gallery um, about this Tasmanian guy who went on Ernest Shackleton's expeditions to Antarctica. And Ernest Shackleton, like, famously, I think he was the first man with this expedition to travel the entire length of Antarctica along with like 20 other men, um, a bunch of whom died. And they made it all the way across and they got awarded these polar medals for making their journey across the entire Antarctic shelf. Hmm. And then in World War One, this Tasmanian was a, uh, was a pilot in the RAF and he got shot down and captured by Germany. And he, while he was a POW, they found, uh, because he flew with it, they found his um, polar medal. And Ernest Shackleton was like a legend for like German explorers and, and adventurers. So like some of these officers of Germany were like, oh, this guy's a hero. We need to like take care of him. So they like let him like eat with them and they were like really generous with him. And he he described this day where they just sat him down, they had a meal and all these officers were really nice to him, except for one officer who was just an asshole to him and was really abusive of him. And that was Hermann Goering who went on to be like the commander of the um, mm. the SS and the Luftwaffe. And he was like the most influential military commander of Germany. It's mm. just insane that that guy like met Hermann Goering when he was like in his late 20s. So weird. So fucking yeah, weird. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I've seen and held that medal. It's just crazy. Um, anyway, what were you about to say? Something about the end, didn't <laughs> Tom Hardy gets captured. Tom Hardy getting captured. Like, yeah, the first time I saw that uh, he comes back and takes down that other plane, mm. I, I didn't cheer, but I felt like cheering. Like, yeah. yeah. So good. And um, yeah, and, the, and then the choice thing. The choice, yeah. The first few times I saw the film, I didn't get it. Yeah. Probably because I was really bored. I find this a boring film. I'm so, so sorry that I offend your... Filmmakers, you know. No, no, you're not offending me. Don't worry. Emotions there. I'm a big boy. I can take the you don't like <laughs> a movie that I think is one of the best movies. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it's fine. And this, Wait, this what, time, what this is, time it what is this? this? Oh, you this enjoyed time it more. It worked better. The, right. the, no, that that moment specifically. Yes. I didn't enjoy the film better. Mm-hmm. I think I have the same emotions. Really, that's the first time I saw it. Yeah. It's a completely. It's a very good film. Probably. Yeah, what I was going to mention earlier was that every filmmaker or a student like us that mm. I've talked to about this film, they love it. Interesting. Every non-filmmaker I've talked to about this film, they don't like it. It's probably the one, Christopher Nolan, of the famous ones. Would you believe that, that I've the had least? the opposite? Where really? Yeah, really. Because my sister doesn't like it, my brother doesn't like it, his friends don't like it, uh, my mother doesn't like it, my mother's partner doesn't like it, uh, a couple of other friends don't like it. It's people that understand the effort that probably took into making it. I don't know, because like, because Uh, people in afters liked it, right? No, most of the people I talked to in afters didn't like it. I was thinking of Tim Miller. He, He liked it? Don't you remember when you guys were like seeing scenes on it and you both were like almost cheering. You were like, that scene with the, uh, oh. the scarecrow on the boat. Yes. Tim was like, oh my God. Great movie. Just amazing. You were like, yeah, yeah. You were the both cheering on, on the, the boat. Killian Murphy. I just call him the scarecrow and everything now. Scarecrow. So annoying he's not in Tenet. I really want him to be in Tenet. Yeah, I want him to be in every Nolan cool. film. Um, 
Uh, you had the, 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 experience. the opposite. Yeah. Like okay. I saw it with a lighter and um, she, you know, is, has nothing to do with filmmaking. She fucking loved this film. She like, like every time we've talked since she's like brought up, Oh, that time we saw Dunkirk. That was just incredible. And like, you know, my mom understands filmmaking, but like she adored it. Um, who else like that isn't film adjacent that I've like showed this film to like lo- lots of people, lots of people like, um, you know, family friends and people who, you know, are, of all sorts of different age groups that I've recommended this film to really enjoyed it. Nathan loved it. Like, um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting that you can get such varied reactions with this film. And that in a way is, it's sort of refreshing with like a big budget movie. That's this scale that you can Mm. have so many polarizing opinions, but everyone sort of acknowledges that the movie is good. People just probably argue that it's like one of the best films ever. Yeah, it's good to have. A, you, you you agree it's good. it's good. You just don't think it's as good as everyone's saying. It's it's good to see a film that is like this that it's not loved by some people and then hated by other people. It's yeah, like yeah, loved yeah. by yeah, lots of people. Not, it's not Joker, and, and then other yeah. people are like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's not Joker, where it's like literally the most divisive film ever made for some reason. Yeah, for, for some, some reason, it's uh, fine. for some stupid reason. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You um, and I both went from you went from thinking it was really good, and I went from no, thinking, no, I think it's I thinking it was bad, and now we're both in the exact same spot. It's like it's fine, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's a not, very fine movie. It's not holy nine, fuck. Like Dark Knight is good people. though. Fuck. Jesus, every time I watch Dark Knight, I'm like, why the fuck did they make any more movies? Like any more? Like why? Why are they rebooting Batman? Why are they rebooting Batman? <laughs> I, I think you meant movies in general. No, no, no. <laughs> shit, sorry. Don't make any more movies. No, why are they Dark making? Knight, that's it. Why are they making? Why did they make Dark Knight Rises? I know he was contracted well, for three, but like, why? It's you were never going to be able to make a better. Se- oh, sorry. Dark Knight Rises is fucking great. Uh, spoiler alert for when we yeah. do Dark Knight Rises, but um, <laughs> when we have to. Oh, sorry. Spoiler <laughs> alert for you hearing Dark Knight Rises two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But like, Dark Knight Rises has more of a like it's, it's kind of different. Like, it's trying to be more epic. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. like a, that's the only thing. Nolan was like, oh, what if I just went bigger? It's meant to be like cumulative or like a culmination of the, the legend. The legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. It's more of a Batman Begins sequel than a Dark Knight sequel. Uh, ben Affleck was like, I don't know what they were trying to do then. I do, but we need, was, to, we need to do Batman oh. be Superman one day. Well, we'll do, we'll do it for just, funniest, just. It's the just funniest the film of all time. Just it's, it's, We're not doing the director's cut. Fuck that thing. It's not better. Everyone who says it's better is wait, an it's idiot. Six minutes longer. Yeah, it adds two, three scenes, and they're it all bad. Add anything? They're all bad. They're all really bad. It's not like the Watchmen director's cut, which is kind of crazy. Uh, well, the ultimate cut's the one with the animation. The director's cut is the one that adds back in, like, um, Night Owl realizing Hollis Mason dies and some other stuff. Um, mm. I like the director's cut of Watchmen. It's probably my favorite cut. Is I need it, to see the animated, the one with animated. The animated one, the one annoys me. I, I don't think, I think it, the studio just did that. Snyder didn't approve okay. that. Like, I think it's pretty stupid. Okay. Um, his best movie, I'm going to say. Watchmen? Yeah, his best movie. I like Donald Trump. I do too, but no, Watchmen is his best movie. Um, yeah. Oh, of course, the argument against that is that oh, it's just a comic book. It's like, yeah, well, it's a really well 
Yeah. If the I, comic book really well told. To be honest, if you handed me the most infamous graphic novel of all time, I probably would also be like, I'll just I'll probably the, also I'll just change the this. I, I also probably change the ending. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For we'll, the end of the movie. We'll never... Oh, we could have for the TV show, I guess, but no, we wouldn't ever do Watchmen. But the TV show, it's a sequel. Yeah, I'm just thinking, would we ever do Watchmen on the podcast? Probably not. Um, well, I'm never going to do a Tim Miller, If they do a Tim Miller... No, Tim Miller. Tim Miller? What's the guy's name, the writer? Frank Miller. Frank Miller. No, no, you're thinking of Alan Moore. But Alan like, Moore. Frank Moore. Frank Miller is the... Frank Alan Moore is like the communist, well, not communist, he's the socialist graphic yeah. novel writer. Frank Miller is the fascist yes. graphic novel writer. It's one of those guys. Another guy oh, when we do Robocop night. one day, we got to talk about Frank Miller because he wrote Robocop 3. <laughs> he's in Robocop 3, he plays a character. <laughs> oh no, Robocop 2, he's in and plays a character. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Or maybe 3. Shit, I can't remember. 3 is the bad one. I like Robocop 2. This is the thing that's going to be interesting. I haven't seen Robocop 2. It, it completely it undoes his um, arc from Robocop 1, but it is pretty it's a, cool. It's a pretty cool it's sequel. Directed by Evan Kirsner. Yes, the second best sequel he ever made. Yeah. And then right after that is Never Say Never Again. <laughs> Fucking awful movie. What um, a filmography. What a filmography. Holy yeah. shit. Um, Dunkirk. Yeah, do you want to have final thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, I think it's good. You think it's his best film? Are you I, I actually do. thinking it's his best film? I genuinely believe it's his best film. After watching all his other films? Yes. No, really. I really think it's his best film. So my, do, 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 you, do you want to hear my ranking? Yeah. All right. So my ranking would be um, Top Place, without question, Dunkirk, Memento, Inception, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, uh, The Prestige, Insomnia, The Dark Knight Rises, and Following. That's all of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yes, I, I am pulling out his, his filmography. His filmography. Yep. All right. Why is this? this so, number one, Dunkirk. Just say it. Yeah, number one, uh, The Dark Knight. Normie. Duh. You normie. Oh, you're just going to do the IMDb list? You're just going to be like, uh, oh, yeah, so Dark Knight's number four, so that's my top. And then, oh, under that, oh, Inception, yeah, that's my next one. Oh, and then it uh, looks like Dark Knight Rises is there, so that's my third favorite. <laughs> so dumb. Why is it in there? Just fucking, <laughs> I think about like that Tobey Maguire line from spider Man. How'd that get in there? When Dark Knight Rises is ranked higher than like Life is Beautiful on the greatest <laughs> films of all time. Tweeted. IMDb, it's like, it's stupid. It's stupid. But it's people's votes. Yeah, so why is Shawshank Redemption the highest rated? Because everyone's seen it. Because it's a lot more people have seen. Like I get why Godfather's up there, but why Shawshank? It's it's great. Shawshank's fucking awesome. I think Shawshank. I don't mind one that Shawshank's one number one. It's great. I think it's it's amazing. great. I, I I it's an amazing journey of a character. A bunch of characters. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Hey, remember how you never find out if Andy actually killed his wife or if Red actually like committed no, his murder? Kind of, yeah, that's yeah. stupid. It's I great, isn't it? It's great, isn't it? How they deny you certain backstory to create I, I, more tension I can admit that, and ambiguity. I can admit that something that I really love. Uh, I can admit something is bad in a movie I really love. So, so can I. 
You love the characters in this film. They are not characters. There are characters in this film. They're great. There are characters in this film, but they're pretty fucking pointless. Nah, oh, they're fucking awesome. Okay, mine first yeah. is uh, the Dark Knight. Dark Knight, of course. Second is Memento. Yeah, so good. Um, so fucking good. And with third, I'm going with. Inception. I love that you and I both put Memento in the same spot because Memento is. It, it's weird that his second film is maybe his best. It's it's so weird. It's just, it's just such a good film. Yeah. It's just a and really it's, clever it, Inception number three film. Yeah, Inception in number three Same. because yep. I really like that. Yep. Grandiose that scale, scale, yeah, of course. And like talking about playing with time, I know Memento plays with time in, in its yeah, structure, yeah, 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 yeah. but it's really just a linear story. Yeah, Inception is where, where he starts to get really fancy. Yeah, in, in Inception, it's like it's like fancy time yeah. editing. Yeah. Right. Um, Fourth, I you can't say it. No, I'm, I'm thinking the Prestige, but it's great. It's got David Bowie as Nikola Tesla. What else do you yeah, want? I know. Prestige is great. Say yeah, the I'm going to say it. The Prestige. Uh, number four is the Prestige. Yeah. I think. Um, number five, I'm going to say it's Insomnia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, that's high. <laughs> <laughs> it's very high. No, I haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert for this podcast. Oh, you gotta cut that out. Uh, number six. You still haven't said Batman Begins, you fucker. Number or Interstellar. Six. I forgot Interstellar. Number six is uh, Batman Begins. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on number seven, I'm gonna say Following. Mm-hmm. Like, above Interstellar. I'm not a fan of Interstellar. Jesus Christ. I didn't realize you were that. Fucking, are you joking? Following is so much worse than Interstellar. I need to rewatch this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, sh- no, no, okay. Following is not there. I'm going to change that. Okay. <laughs> Stop laughing. I love how I just rattled them okay. off like so confidently. Okay, Dunkirk. Oh, uh, just above, uh, below following. How generous Not above following. Okay, thank you. Then... <laughs> Then following. You're in this 10 movies. This shouldn't be that dark, this hard. <laughs> then. Fuck you. The Dark Knight Rises and then Interstellar. Interstellar at the bottom. I'd put Interstellar. I'm just not a big fan of Interstellar. I'd put Interstellar above um, following Insomnia and yeah. Yeah, I'd put it at the third from the bottom. Literally just. Oh no, I put it above Dark Knight Rises. Fuck yeah. Jesus. So yeah, in, in Interstellar is like my like Interstellar, sixth choice. Interstellar are moments I love. Oh shit, yeah. But overall, I just don't think I like it very much. I like it a lot. I like it a lot more every time I watch it. Anyway, that is... Um, well, are you excited for Tenet? Finally, yeah. Tenet is coming out. Finally. Yay. <laughs> yeah, we finished our 10 for Tenet. Um, tune in next week to hear our opinions on Tenet. Yeah. Unless, of course, we go through a Christopher Nolan restructuring of time and <laughs> this podcast, for some reason, comes out in a non-linear sequence. But, you know, who knows what could happen. Mm. All right. Maybe the movie gets delayed again. Should we announce our next series? What if the movie gets delayed backwards? What? It comes sooner? Yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> See it sooner. Fuck yeah. That'd be awesome. All right. Bye. Bye.